This is the Horse Radio Network. You're listening to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I spent over 35 years coaching collegiate equestrian teams. Cazenovia College is a small co-educational college located in upstate New York, offering a liberal arts and professional studies education with over 35 academic programs. Our 240-acre equine education center is home to the nationally ranked intercollegiate equestrian team and the IACBE accredited equine business management program. Our equestrian team is one of the best in the region with a long history of success at intercollegiate and rated competitions in hunter seat, western horsemanship, reining, and dressage. The team competes in IHSA and IDA sanctioned events. Our world-class equine facility houses over 70 horses, a large heated indoor arena, multiple grass and sand outdoor riding arenas, and turnout paddocks. For more information, visit www.casanovia.edu slash cas-equine. Welcome back, everyone, to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I have been interviewing collegiate coaches and riders and organizations, although today we're going a little bit off track. We're staying on the equine and equestrian track, but I started thinking that All of you, especially those of you who are riders and parents of riders, probably want to know more about the different um, careers that are available out there and and what you can get involved in. I think that, that we always think about barn managers and riding instructors, but there are so many other tracks that people can take to work in the equine industry. So I have invited my friend, Mandy Flanders, and she is the host of the Lead Line podcast, which is a podcast for equine entrepreneurs. And I, I have to say, I had to learn how to pronounce entrepreneur once I retired from Dartmouth. I always stumbled <laughs> over it. So ho- hopefully I, I said it right. So uh, Mandy is a longtime event marketing professional and traveling tour manager who's been at the forefront of numerous experiential event campaigns for brands such as Google, Liberty Mutual, Ralph Lauren, and now L.L. Bean. We'll talk about that. So as I said, she is the podcast host of the Leadline podcast, and she brings her many years of event marketing expertise to the horse world through a variety of inclusive experiences, including monthly Zoom meetups, in-person networking events, and even ranch retreats. And I was lucky enough to be, or I have been on her monthly meetups and also her in-person events, but we will get into that. So welcome Mandy to the podcast. Thank you, Sally. I'm so excited to be here with you. So I met you 
a little over uh, or a little less than a year ago at the equine affair in Massachusetts. And you, as soon as I saw, I don't even know how I oh, must've been because I was a, a presenter and I had a booth at the equine affair. So somehow I got on your list. So across my desk came this notice of a in-person networking event with other equine professionals. And I was like, hallelujah, I'm in. I don't know if I was the first one answering, but it was quick. I, I was like, yes, I'm in. And then I met you and I was just more entranced with your energy and appeal and your uh public speaking and all of the people that you had pulled together. So um, don't get too embarrassed, but I just wanted to give you a little shout out first. But um, before we get to talking more about those things, let's start from the beginning. Why don't you talk about how you got involved with horses and how you got to where you are with your podcast? Sure. Well, uh, I guess to backtrack just a little bit, I was a very horse crazy kid and my parents purchased um, a farm when I was about seven years old and it was a farm with no animals. So there was a barn on, on property and it was full of horse stalls. And when we moved in and I was seven, I was like, we need to put horses in these stalls. Like it's, it's obviously a sign <laughs> there's stalls here. So why do we not have horses? <laughs> where, where, where was this? This was in upstate New York. And okay. when I say upstate, a lot of people think like that means a little bit north of like New York West City. Chester. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like way upstate, like by Canada. So for anyone who's maybe familiar with Syracuse or even the Thousand Islands, I'm kind of up in that area. I'm north of Syracuse, New York. Okay. So they bought this farm. I don't know that they ever had any plans to put animals in that barn, but with four kids and I was, I was the oldest of all of us. And we were just like, yeah, we need animals guys. Like let's make this happen. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was 13 when my parents did get our first horse and, you know, I could go through the cycle of how many horses we went through and, but long story short, we knew nothing about horses. My parents just bought the first horse that looked cool, I guess. Ooh, and it was green. Scary. Yeah. Didn't work out. Um, and then fast forward, we ended up with a 30 something year old horse that Perfect. we essentially rescued. We found on Craigslist yep. and she was really skin and bone, but she was for sale for $300. And, um, everyone was saying, okay, um, you guys need to get an old horse because this green young horse is not a good fit for you. So right. we said 30, right. that sounds old enough. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, we went and rescued this 30 year old mare. Um, we walked into this old cow barn. It was full of cows. And in the back, there was this skin and bone chestnut mare. Yeah. And it, like looking back at it now that I know so much more about horses I'm like, yeah. how did she get there? I don't even, I don't know the story. And that was years ago that horse is, you know, long past at this point, right. but we, we purchased her for the $300 and she just became my best friend for the next few years. Aww. I did everything on her. I jumped on her bareback everywhere and 
used to ride her down the street from that, that farm where we grew up and, uh, actually scored my first babysitting job, riding down the horse or riding down the road on my horse, because I guess, uh, you know, a young girl on a horse looks really trustworthy. So some mom came out one day and said, Hey, do you babysit? Kids? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Um, but that, that horse really, the, she was the second one. The first one was the green horse. And then the second one was the old mare. And she really, uh, really saved me from, um, being afraid of riding from all the bad experiences that I had, um, accumulated very quickly on the green horse. And, and then, uh, now I'm on, I guess my third horse, I've had the same one now for 18 years. So after that other horse passed, um, I got a paint mare and I've had this, that same paint mare now for 18 years. So she's my third horse out of all those horses I've had since I was 13. So wait a minute, has your relationship with her been longer than your relationship with your husband? Oh yes. Oh yes. My, my horse, my relationship with my horse and with my cat, who is also 18 years old because I got them the same year. So both of them I've had for the same amount of time. And I do have to confess there was a period of time maybe we'll get into this, but I actually did give my horse to a friend for a few years when I was traveling very heavily for work. And, and, uh, and then that friend ended up giving her back. I think it was like a three year period. So we had a little break in there, Yeah, but yeah, I really, really love that horse. And I especially love my cat. My cat is like my best friend. (laughs) So I know we're not talking about cats, but it came up. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. So you, you get involved with the horses that way. And then, then what talk about you go through high school and then after high school, what did you do from there? Well, I think we briefly touched on this when we met in person for the first time, Sally, but after high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I decided just to try things. At that point, there were several of my friends who were a couple of years ahead of me who were going to college and then they were either dropping out or they would graduate because again, they were a few years ahead of me and then they would not even do what they went to school for. Right. So I'm a very like practical slash analytical person. That's my personality. And I was looking at that saying, well, why would I spend all the money on college if I don't know what I want to do yet? And all my friends are going and wasting all this money on careers that they are deciding to not even do. And it wasn't really like it was that many people. It was maybe two or three, but in my brain, that seemed like a lot, (laughs) you know, when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. So I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to just try some things, see what I like before I actually invest the time and the money into this. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of things. I actually had a brief stint with running an equestrian magazine for a little bit, like an actual print publication. And I did that for a couple of years. How did you know what to do? Um, I, I guess I just had a natural talent for writing. That's what I was told when I was young. Um, I was a very studious, um, homeschooled student growing up. And so I did a lot of writing and just did a lot of research and, I asked a lot of people. I just, I was really good at finding people who did the things that I wanted to do and asking them questions. And because I was so young, they were like, Oh yeah, I'll help you. And and that wasn't always the case, but many of them were very helpful. And so I actually did do, I did a printed magazine for a while and, um, ended up getting out of it because it was a lot of work doing it by myself. And, you know, you have to sell a lot of advertising to pay for a print publication. And for me, that, that wasn't up my alley at the time. Right. So what else did you try? 
Um, what else? Well, I, with being on a farm, I raised rabbits for a bit. And so I actually, we had the hobby farm and I raised and sold pet rabbits for a while. And I still have a rabbit to this day. I don't know if you see my posts on social media, but I have a house rabbit. (laughs) So I love rabbits too. That was something I did very briefly. And, um, as I was trying these things, I was looking for ways to market and promote them. So I started dabbling in social media, dabbling in web design. I started going to events and began public speaking at a pretty young age as well. And all of those things kind of fell under, you know, the, the, the one realm of marketing. And that was something I really, really, really loved was the marketing aspect. So I started really expanding into those different areas of marketing and eventually fell into what I'm doing today that I've been doing for many years, which is primarily the event marketing. And um, we'll probably get more into that too, but doing a lot of the networking events and going to trade shows and things like that, like that's the kind of stuff that I've been doing now for many, many, many years. So does that mean that you were working for one company and, and you were employed by them or were you freelance and, and getting people to hire you? I was freelance. It was probably 2010 or 11 when I was going to some of these like smaller, more like homeschool type trade shows, because that was the environment I'd been raised in. So I was going to some of these trade shows and doing booths and promoting um, my magazine at the time. And one thing that I noticed at the trade show was that when you walk around the trade show floor, there's so many instances where the people that are working their trade show booth don't greet you, don't make eye contact. They don't Mm. stand up Mm. And ask if you need help, whether you're shopping or looking at materials or anything. And they were just like dead silent behind the table. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because no one had ever taught me that skill of like the people skills part of it. But I said, wouldn't it be great seeing how all of these vendors are not very good at it? If I could be hired to go do this for other people, for other vendors at these trade shows and stand behind the table, because I know that you need to get up and greet people and ask if they have questions and smile and not sit there typing away on your phone the whole time that you're at the show. And, uh, it's, it was really funny because I came up with this idea, not knowing that there was actually a whole industry that did that, which is (laughs) what what I'm doing now, which is crazy, but it was just, I think it was meant to be because it was an idea that popped into my head that I, I just had no idea it existed and kind of just fell into it a couple of years later. So, so what were some of your jobs? What did you, who did you work for, for, or, or what did you do? Oh, I've done so many at this point, but my, it's actually, it's, so it's 2022. My very first event that I was hired as a, as a freelancer to work was with nationwide insurance at the New York state fair. And I found, I found the job on Craigslist. Craigslist was like really heavily used 10 years ago. I feel like it's not as heavily used anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it is, but I don't use it like I used to 10 years ago. So I was just looking for side gigs because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't want to get locked down into anything. So they were paying $20 an hour. And all I had to do was go stand at the nationwide insurance booth and like help people enter a giveaway on an iPad. Wow. And I was like, they're going to pay me how much to do what? Like, this is, this is a cakewalk. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. 
So that was my first one. And then uh, like later in the fair, cause the fair is like a couple of weeks long. Like, um, who was it? It was air national guard was hiring at their oh. space the next weekend. Cause he was like, these were like three day promos where these vendors were popped up. They weren't there the whole fair. So then they were hiring. So then I jumped on with them and I couldn't believe it. Like the $20 an hour, they pay you for your breaks. They pay for all the parking, all this other stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> Could, I was shocked because like the jobs at the time, 10 years ago, minimum wage was like $8 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So right. to be getting paid $20 an hour right. to literally do less work than most of these other retail jobs at minimum wage. It was like, this is insane to me. Yeah. So, so that, that was the beginning <laughs> and uh, you know, I've, it's come so far in, in the 10 years, but uh, my husband and I were dating at the time. And he also said, you're making how much money doing what? Yeah, well, then yeah. he went on Craigslist and signed up with some of these agencies that were hiring for these yeah. gigs. And then he made like 20 bucks an hour passing out wheat thins at a Six Flags. <laughs> and so now we both do the same thing because we both got hooked. <laughs> okay. So, so jump ahead and talk about what made you decide to do the lead line podcast, because normally I would think, you know, my podcast is because that was my expertise, right? Coaching and writing in college. So I would think that someone that was going to run a podcast for equine entrepreneurs would have been in the field, but, but tell me how you made that, that leap. And, and was it a leap? Did you just say, I want to do this and I'm just going to try it. Well, the podcast itself was a leap and I'll backtrack in a minute for the, why I, I chose that specific niche, but in 2020 being in the events industry, I basically had no work when the right. pandemic hit because everything got canceled. And right. my husband and I lost so much money when a huge contract we had with Google got canceled. Hmm. We were supposed to do some trade shows with Google for like the entire spring season in 2020. Right. And that was a huge hit. But a lot of good things came from that. And one of them being the fact that I had a lot of extra time on my hands all of a sudden, and I wasn't traveling full time. And I, I realized, um, you know, not too long prior to that, I had gotten my horse back from my friend, which I mentioned a few minutes ago. So horses had kind of come back into my life after a little bit of a hiatus. And I really had missed that space. I'd been in the horse space when I was younger, before I started traveling for event marketing and I had had the magazine and then I had converted that into an online blog and I'd been a mm. product reviewer. I'd been, okay. I'd been doing a lot of stuff in the equestrian space kind of as a hobby. Yeah. And I'd always wanted to turn it into a business. But at the time when I was in my like late teens, early twenties, I didn't have the business experience. So it wasn't, I wasn't running anything profitable. I was doing really well marketing everything because that was a, a skill that just kind of came natural for me, but I wasn't actually making money from it because I didn't know how to craft things correctly and package things the right way in a fashion that actually produced profit. So after being in the event space for so long and in other business spaces, like, you know, just a lot of growth happens between the time you're 20 and you're 30 and I'm turning 34 here soon. So a lot of growth happened in that period of time. And I learned a lot about business, but I also still loved horses. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, well, now that I have a lot of time on my hands, I'm going to kind of just put myself back in this space and see where it goes. And originally I thought that would mean going back to being an equestrian blogger, but 
as I pursued that route, I just kept falling more into that equestrian business space and realizing like I had a lot of even Facebook connections that mm. were in that space. And I also had a Facebook group from many years ago that I kind of revived and that was a business space. Mm. And, um, so all of those things just kind of fell back together and I, I love video. I love podcasts. I love all of those things, media related. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to start a podcast for equestrian entrepreneurs. And one of the great things about being a podcast host is you do not have to have all of the answers, which I definitely don't claim to. You just have to interview really smart people (laughs) and think of good questions. So that was kind of where the podcast came to be is because I ended up with a lot of time on my hands in 2020. And I really, really wanted to get back into the equine space, but I also wanted to bring the business marketing side of it into it as well. So I just kind of put those two things together and I ran with it. Wow. So how many episodes have you had now? Uh, so I release about two episodes a month they come out every other Tuesday. Every once in a while, there's a month that has an extra one, depending on how the weeks fall. But right. I want to say I, it's over 40 because it's a yeah. it's a biweekly podcast. So it's yeah. over 40 at this point. And I'm sure, yeah. as you know, podcasting is a lot of work. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. when I when I first thought I was going to, when I first wanted to start podcasting, I thought I was going to do one episode every week, which would be great. It would be great for downloads. Yeah. It would be great for marketing. But my yeah. gosh, I'm glad I went with just two a month for now. Right. <laughs> well, and and both of us are on the Horse Radio Network, and I mm-hmm. thank you for uh, helping me to to get an in with Glenn at the Horse Radio Network. But when when he and I talk for the first time, I do it every week, and I've been doing it for a year and a half now. And he said, "Are you still having fun?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yep, it you know it, it is it is fun. I get to talk to my friends, and I get to learn a lot, and." you know, just like you learning a lot of new things that, that aren't, that are a little bit outside your box. So let's talk about those. Talk about some of the equine and equestrian careers. Uh, You can talk about guests that you've interviewed. You can talk about um, in your networking events, all kinds of cool stuff. So, so just, just let us have it. Well, at the lead line, I also have a Facebook community that has about 1600 members in it. And so I actually went in and pulled some of my members recently, and I wanted to know what, what the trends were, what kind of businesses people ran, or maybe what kind of business they represent. Um, the lead line is a podcast and community for equestrian entrepreneurs, but we do get we do get people that work for horse businesses in the community as well that are looking for tips for growth and marketing and things like that. So I put a thread up. We had a lot of responses and some of the trends that I I've seen now, now we're going outside of the generic, you know, horse trainer, barn manager, like there's definitely a lot of those there's horse breeders. Um, but looking into some of the more creative types of careers that are out there, a couple of the trends that I saw in the lead line community included a lot of body workers. So mm. we're talking like equine massage and saddle fitters. We've got quite a few of those in the lead line community. Mm-hmm. We've got photographers, graphic designers. Um, we've got a couple app developers actually that have been popping up recently that are, are, excellent at what they do. And they've been putting a lot of time and effort and money into creating some really great apps for the horse industry. So 
we've had actually the two that I'm thinking of, I've had them both on my podcast as well. And, and, um, so one is the apps are main street market. And then the other one is Equipro connect. And both of those platforms are awesome. So they serve kind of different, different spaces in the horse world, but it's really cool to see when some of these folks have ideas, like we're, we're talking serious ideas for starting a new business that require a lot of effort and sacrifice and capital up front. But it's really amazing to see how serious that some of these people really are about running a successful horse business and how they just go all in. And so I'm just super impressed at some of the people who have come, not just through my, my Facebook community, but also onto the podcast. And talk about some of the, the people that have been on your podcast and, and what they do. So we've definitely had a variety of people on the podcast. Uh, one thing that I will say when I'm looking at guests, I'm looking for guests that are more than like the traditional horse trainer, even though I've had horse trainers on the show, we talk about topics related to business. So I'm always looking for unique stories. So let me think with 40 episodes, there's been quite a few guests. I had Warwick Schiller on my show actually a while back. Now, a lot of people know who Warwick Schiller is, and he has created a very successful online subscription business model, which is very impressive. Yeah. I enjoyed his podcast. Why don't you talk about who he is and what he started? I had the chance to meet Warwick in Columbus, Ohio at Equine Affair just this past year. So we were able to do um, also meet in person, but also do a video interview. And it's just been really cool also to be able to meet guests in person works one of them, but there's also been others that I've had a chance to meet and follow up with after the fact. And you've built really great relationships with some of these folks too. And when you do things like this and you have a community, it's a great way to also network, which is, is really cool. Right. And that, the networking piece is so important. And, and I think it's important too for our listeners. What I always tell young people, how do you get a job? You get a job. It's who you know <laughs> and who you talk to and who you network with, you know, and, and I got both my jobs, my centenary teaching job, and then my Dartmouth job because of an ad in the back of the Chronicle. But but these days it really is who you know and who you talk to. And so these network events are so great, not only in person, but you have your Zoom meetups. So that's a good recommendation to any young people, even if you're still in college and you're still, you know, working on whatever your major is, but you know you want to work in the horse world, get get in on some of these. It's so important. Like that's one of the things I preach the most. And I think is why I've pursued doing networking events. It's, it's not just the, it's not just the event background that I have. It's the fact that networking has opened so many doors for me in the 10 years that I've been doing events, but also coming back to the horse industry. Uh, honestly, like what I'm doing right now, I know you, you kind of gave me a little plug with LL Bean at the beginning of the episode. Well, so I am one of the bootmobile drivers. I'll just jump in and share that. I'm okay. I know. I know what it is because I've seen the pictures, but say that slower. Bootmobile. What yes. is that? Yes. Well, if you've never heard of it and you want to see a picture, go to Google and Google LL Bean bootmobile. <laughs> and it is literally a pickup truck that looks like a duck boot or a bean boot. You might know them under one of those two names. 
and it drives around the country doing special events. And I was hired this season as one of their contracted drivers for a 13 week event tour that travels around the Northeast setting up and doing special LLB events. And I can tell you the reason that I was even considered for this and got in so quickly as one of the drivers, like that is a competitive opportunity. Like, like who, who wouldn't want to be on tour with the bootmobile? It's pretty cool. But the past couple of years, they've been traveling through my town and I jumped in as just um, event staff. I worked as contract event staff when they came okay. to my town for the past two years. And I always, this is something that I really believe is that no matter what you do, you could be in a potential job interview, mm. whether you're mm. a business owner or you're looking for a job. I think of pretty much everything I do as a potential interview, because you never know who is watching and who is going to see you. You don't know if that opportunity is going to get you new clients or if it's going to get you hired for that job you're after. But the last two years I went in and I just busted my butt when I helped out at those events to the point where they remembered me every yeah. time they came back, they remembered me. Yeah. And earlier this year, maybe it was like the end of May. I said, Hey, are you guys looking for bootmobile drivers to go on the whole tour this year? Right. And they remembered who I was. I sent this text and I didn't even know I still had one of their numbers, but I was like, I don't even know if they'll remember me. Well, they did. Yeah. And I got an interview immediately when the applications opened up and I was the first one hired for the team this year. And right. it like, that's what opened the door for me because I went and I, I built a relationship with somebody and I worked really hard and I have like endless examples I could share of times where doors have been open because I built a relationship with someone right. and I, I, I basically like I went through the process, but I almost bypassed the process that somebody that didn't have the relationship would have to go through. Right. Right. So getting back to your, to your podcast and, and equine careers, do you have any antidotes? Do you, do you have any stories that you can tell of uh, in, either interesting things, how people got their job or, or started their business or anything like that? Yeah. So there's definitely, like I've been saying, there's been a lot of variety with the podcast guests and a lot of, well, one of the things that I've seen consistently come up actually in guests is that they, they almost got to where they are by accident. Like you hear that a lot, like they just started trying things. And that's definitely a tip that I would pass along to anyone in any situation, whether you're, you're looking to run a horse business or you're looking to start a career in the horse industry, you just have to try things. Even work said he, he did what he's doing by accident. It's something he just mm. kind of fell into. So mm-hmm. you look at these people who, you know, on the exterior look super successful and they are successful, but they, they didn't just, that didn't just happen overnight. They had to try a lot of things to get there. And that is a very consistent theme that comes up with a podcast guest is that they said, well, I tried this and it didn't work. And I tried this and it didn't mm. work. And then this mm. happened and this happened. And I hear those mm. stories all the time. You just have to go through it. it it's literally like, it's just, it's just life. <laughs> you got to try things. Things are not going to work the way you expect them. And you got to pick yourself back up and go on to the next thing and try that and hope that that works. And eventually something will stick. Right. And it's a lot of, uh, especially running your own business. It's a lot of self-promotion. It, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, since I retired from Dartmouth, I run my own business. I teach clinics. 
I have the podcast since my book came out. It's a lot of talking about me (laughs) and talking (laughs) about what I do. And that's really a huge part of of all of your um, community and and the Leadline podcast and all of your entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. And you'll you'll see that from people in the community. I see it all the time where people say, well, I don't really want to talk about myself, but you do have to get comfortable because the fact of the matter is you have to talk about what you do a lot for it to click with people. You have to talk about it constantly. Like if you think you've talked about it enough, you better talk about it some more because it has to be, people just have to see it and hear it so many times before it actually clicks with them, what it is that you do. Right. I'm sure people have friends that can, you know, you'll go out with even your best friend sometimes. And the best friend will be like, well, I know that she does something with horses, but I, right. I don't know what it is. Like I have right. friends like that, that are like, well, she does something with horses. I don't really know what <laughs> Right. they have to hear it a lot. And it has to be very clear and concise for it to really click with people. Right. Yeah. I, uh, funny story. I was on the cover of our local, you know, the area that I live in our local newspaper. I mean, it was cover story, huge picture. And I was at an event with my husband with a bunch of people that, I mean, nobody I know here are horse people basically. And, um, this man sitting next to me, uh, heard that, that I said, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a traveling clinician and, and uh, he said, oh, he said, do you know the woman? She used to coach the Dartmouth team and she recently had a book. She was on the cover of the newfound, <laughs> the newfound landing. I was like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, yeah, I, I hear you about people not knowing what we do. But so and any other uh, words of wisdom before we we wind down here, uh, anything else that you've learned since you've been doing the podcast? Yeah. If anything, I can't say it enough, like the relationship aspect of helping you get to where you want to be is so important. And it, it really can be a shortcut to get you to your goals faster. You know, just don't just be studious. Also make sure you're talking to the right people. Like you, you have to be good at your craft, but you also have to make sure people know about what you're doing. And regardless of what career you want to be in, like if someone wants to, let's just say, be a body worker or be a farrier, like find someone who is comfortable with letting you shadow for a little while and see if that's right for you. There's a lot of things that I tried that weren't right for me. I've mentioned this a few times. I thought I wanted to be in, I wanted to pursue a degree in marine biology. At one point I went and volunteered at the Boston aquarium for a year. It was fun, which is why I stayed for a year. But I realized when I got done with that, I was like, I don't want to do this for work. This was just fun for like on the side. So, so if you think you want to pursue a career in something, go try it for a while, because you're either going to find that you love it, or you're going to find that it's not anywhere near as glamorous as you thought it was going to be. And you want to do something else. Right. So go try it, network. And then once you find what it is that you want to do, make sure you, you find those right connections, whether it's going to networking events, maybe you don't have them in your area, but reach out to people, add them on Facebook, talk to them on Instagram. Like there's definitely, don't just think networking event. When we say networking, you can network so many other ways nowadays. Just, you just have to find the right connections. Be bold. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and just to, to, 
wrap everything up here. I always ask everyone, what do you like to do besides horses? So in your case, what do you like to do besides horses and your cat? Yeah. Horses and my cat. Well, uh, my husband and I live on the lake. We are near Lake Ontario in upstate New York. So we enjoy going out in the water boating. And I just have to say this. I had my very first jet ski experience just, um, recently around labor day weekend. That was awesome. It was a bucket list item and being on the water. I've been like, why have I never jet skied before? So I finally got to do it. So I would say my answer to that question is, uh, you know, water sports are pretty fun. I like being on the lake and house projects. I see you've been doing some fix fixer uppers. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I could talk about this a long time, but I won't, but we purchased an old house that we later learned had, um, historical meaning, um, turned out that it used to be the old ferry master's house on the lake. There used to be a ferry that ran from where we are on the lake over to the opposite side of the lake. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So the ferry doesn't run anymore. That was a very, very long time ago, but we have a lot of old historical photos of that. And we're always doing fixer upper projects on that house just to make it look nice. We like doing DIY projects. And um, so I just painted the front porch this summer and also got a really nice wooden plaque. This is the fairy master's house. Cause I wanted to just like, remember that little bit of history. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Mandy. Thanks for being on the podcast and talking about equine careers and also some kind of life advice. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks for having me, Sally. This was great. Thank you for listening to the Athletic Equestrian Podcast. If you'd like more information on this podcast or any of our other podcasts, you can contact me at athleticequestrian at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Jack Boyata and the music is by Kitcher. 